So we spoke about heavy sins and the consequences that they have. He goes on to say that even those who have not violated one of the hectic sins that causes karet, um, a less severe sin, nonetheless, since they cause a defect in the spirit and divine soul, as in the analogy of the fine strands of the rope that are defective or severed, as we mentioned in chapter 5, that it's a big rope made of 613 strands, and when you do a pro- prohibition, you sever the strand. Therefore, through an accumulation of sins, there can eventually be a defect as grave as from one prohibition of karet. In other words, lots of small sins can accumulate to one big sin. This would be even true if it's the same single sin repeated numerous times, because it will weaken and jeopardize the rope as a whole. And that's what the prophet uses the analogy of sins to a cloud that dims the light of the sun. And when we remove sins, it's like, I have erased your transgression, says Hashem, like a thick cloud that can dissipate. Sorry, dissipate. So this refers to grave sins that are barriers between the internal aspect of the power flowing forth from Hashem's name and the divine soul. It's like a barrier in between. It's like a separation of a thick, dark cloud that stands between the sun and the earth with its inhabitants. Then there are lesser sins that obscure like a thin and wispy cloud. And in the illustration, if one obscures the sunlight streaming through a window with many fine and flimsy curtains, eventually one curtain won't block so much, but a lot of thin curtains will block. And it's exactly the same thing with the sins. With all those cloud-like sins upon which people trample indifferently, big deal, I did this and I didn't do this, and it's consequential, ah! Done! Slowly but surely, it darkens, it darkens, it darkens. Definitely the bigger sins, idolatry, adultery, murder, bloodshed, ignoring the needy, gossip, evil tongue, tail-bearing, anger, of course, Torah learning, not learning Torah, rather, so, although they don't seemingly carry the punishment of death, nonetheless, they sever the soul from its divine source. And it's this chicken and egg kind of story, because then we start losing a sensitivity. So someone's like, I'm not connecting to Yiddishkeit. And you're like, yeah, because you're so covered over. You're, the, the, you've lost that sensitivity. So then we do things to distance us even more. And then we're still we're less sensitive and less sensitive. But once you decide to do tshuva and return and then remove that cloud, then the sensitivity is back. And then you have a feeling. And you come to Yiddishkeit and you feel something. You sit at the pace of Satan and you're feeling something. You come to Shalom and you feel something. But when you're saying you're not feeling anything, that itself is the issue. That means that there's a cloud and the sensitivity is dulled. That's the curse of sin. The curse of sin is that it dulls us, that we don't care if we sin again. And these things slowly but surely have effect on our soul. They have effect on the letters of Hashem's name, the way they connect to us. Each sin affects a different letter of Hashem's name, etc. 
So all the above lends the thinking person a contrite heart as they grow aware of the blemish caused by their supposedly lesser sin. And this contrition is the second step along the true and direct path to the lower level of repentance. For contrition crushes klipa, clushes the other side, and enables the individual to repent truthfully, earnestly, regretting their past deeds and firmly resolving to do better. So what's the takeaway? The takeaway is no sin is unimportant. I can't let anything get in between me and my Creator. And that meditation, plus the compassion for one's soul, can lead a person to the lower level of tshuva.